This is The Prevention Podcast with former intelligence officer and author Dan Verton, sponsored by LiveSafe, the leading risk intelligence communications platform that surfaces early warning insights and prevents serious safety and security incidents to mitigate operational risks, reduce financial losses, and make places safer for people to work, learn, and live. A lot of employers have like EAPs, employee assistance programs. We know those are historically way, way underutilized. The utilization is in the single digits percentage-wise. That's, that's not sufficient, especially when you have a workforce that's really struggling. One of the, the biggest sources of fear and anxiety for employees right now is the absence of information. And the way our brain works, if, you, if there's a vacuum there, if there's a hole there, I'm going to fill it. And usually I'm going to fill it with my worst fears. Welcome to the Prevention Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Dan Verton. The emotional turmoil that most Americans are enduring as the nation grapples with an out-of-control health crisis, joblessness and economic disruption, and social upheaval cannot be underestimated. Mental health was a crisis in this country well before COVID-19 hit. But now, with this perfect storm of isolation, fear, and uncertainty, Employers must make preparations to offer support and resources to their employees. Although no industry is immune, recent studies and surveys show that education, healthcare, and manufacturing are reporting more cases of depression, anxiety, stress, and burnout. To help us figure out what's happening here and how organizations should plan to mitigate the impact of mental health stressors on the workforce is Dr. Tyler Arvig, the Associate Medical Director at R3 Continuum. Dr. Arvig, welcome to the Prevention Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So research by the Society for Human Resource Management released last month found that about one in five employees struggled often with depression, and those who lived with members of a COVID-19 vulnerable population struggled even more. Can you give us a sense of what the current state of the mental health situation is today as a result of COVID-19? For example, have cases increased or are more people seeking out treatment and help because of COVID-19? Great question. You know, we do know that people are experiencing more mental health difficulties because of COVID-19. You know, anywhere from 45 to 50% of U.S. adults describe, you know, some emotional effects from the situation, and about a third uh, of, of adults have reported significant clinical levels of anxiety and depression. So certainly it's been a very big um, driver for mental health issues, either for people that maybe had mental health issues previously and those are being exacerbated, or maybe people that didn't have any uh, before this, but the, the stress that we're experiencing has, has compounded it. And I think in particular, you know, it's not just COVID-19 that we're dealing with. We're dealing with economic devastation. We're dealing with, in many parts of the country, we have been dealing with significant civil unrest. And all of those things have really snowballed for people to where it's a really tenuous time uh, in, in our country right now. And people are trying to figure that out. So another study that I discovered recently by a company called The Standard, it's a financial products and services company in New York, They released a behavioral health study earlier this year that examined the impact of COVID-19 on employees' mental health. And they found that a large majority of those surveyed, about 91%, 
thought that companies should help their employees with mental health or substance abuse issues. However, 73% of respondents said that mental health is not talked about as a priority at their company. Is that a major issue that's sort of standing in our way of getting through this crisis right now, the fact that we're not talking about it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the company I work for and the work I've been doing pretty much nonstop for the past several months has been consulting with employers on how do you help your employees? Because what we realized is, or what we've always known, is, you know, employees that are struggling from a behavioral health standpoint are going to struggle being good employees. So the more you can take care of their mental health, the, the better they're going to be able to do their job. Now, we've been in a very kind of unique situation where we have some people that have been forced to work remotely, some people that don't have that option, and now we're moving people back into the workforce. So it's really a complicated time for people. They might have been feeling isolation before, working from home, as many of us are. Now they're going to be forced into a situation where um, there's a potential for exposure to COVID-19 and trying to manage that. So employers have a responsibility to their employees. I mean, it doesn't mean that the employer per se needs to provide mental health treatment for that person, but they need to provide the resources to help those people do their jobs more effectively and um, also bring in resources if they're not available. So a lot of employers have like EAPs, employee assistance programs. We know those are historically way, way underutilized. The utilization is in the single digits percentage-wise. Um, that's, that's not sufficient, especially when you have a workforce that's really struggling. And so we need to make those resources more visible. And then also in the workplace itself, um, us as managers or leaders or what have you, we're not mental health providers and we're not supposed to be, but there are certainly things that we can do to help people feel more comfortable and confident in their job and in their safety. So I guess there's really still a stigma attached to mental health that prevents open dialogue and discussion around the fact that these are real issues that your employees are dealing with, and companies are are probably still nervous about approaching an employee with concerns about their mental health. They, they probably are. And, you know, as a manager, I don't want to go to one of my employees and go, are you having mental health problems? I mean, that's not appropriate of me to do. But if I notice things have changed or there's, you know, they're, they're not as productive as they used to be or they're struggling or maybe they become emotional, it's certainly within what I should be doing to ask them, how are you doing? And I think one of the unique things about this pandemic is, unlike other situations that we've dealt with, at least in our own lifetime, this affects all of us. It doesn't affect just one group. So, me as a manager or as a leader, I also experience some of that apprehensiveness and that anxiety. And so there's something I can connect with you on. You know, it's not just, hey, I'm fine and you're struggling. It's we're all in this together. So, you know, is there here's maybe I share some things that have been helpful for me in my life. Um, and, and maybe we start that dialogue. And that really goes a long way to at least helping your employees feel like they're heard and they're supported. So if I go back to this study for a second here by the standard, they say that employees that were struggling with behavioral health conditions at home often end up bringing these issues to work with them. And I think about what you talked about earlier about this perfect storm of crises and stressors 
We've got COVID-19, which has had a devastating economic impact, and now we've got widespread social unrest. All of these things are confronting people 24-7, so it's inevitable that they're going to bring whatever issues they're dealing with to the workplace. And of course, struggling with these issues at work can lead to lower job productivity, missing work, or taking leave, even quitting or being fired from a job. But what really stuck out to me from this survey is that education workers are the most likely to see lower productivity or miss work due to mental health challenges. Are teachers and university educators experiencing an increase in mental health crises as a result of COVID-19 and the insistence, I guess, by many schools that these folks return to work? Well, they're certainly experiencing an increase in stress. Um, my wife happens to be a teacher, and, and I have a son who's in school, so I've seen this dynamic play out personally, and this is just a small slice of the pie. You know, they are experiencing a lot of stress associated with the fact that they taught remotely for the last half of last year, never having done that before. And they're struggling with how do I engage students and how do I make sure that they're still learning? Parents are struggling with, um, you know, trying to be a half teacher and half worker, right? So then we're going into this next school year. And in some states, some parts of the country, the plan is to go back full force on site. Um, in some states like where I'm at in Minnesota, everyone needs to develop three plans. One is we all school from home. One is half and half. We're on site half time and at home half time. And then the other is we're, we're on site at the school full time. So as a teacher, not only am I worried about how do I plan for this year and, you know, educator, also I'm worrying about how do I put safety pro protocols into place for what is undoubtedly, you know, an unavoidable mass gathering, right? I mean, classrooms are mostly usually have 30 plus kids in them. So there are so many competing demands and so much stress and not a lot of time. So certainly we, we have to support a uh, full stop, our teachers, our support staff, our administrative staff to make sure that they're taking care of themselves so that they can effectively teach and do what we need them to do. So what are some of the strategies or things that HR managers and other leaders can do regardless of industry, not just in education, but any industry that has employees who are deemed essential that have to come back to the workplace amongst all this fear and anxiety? What can they do to manage and mitigate the impact of COVID-19 related mental health challenges? Great question, and I'm going to broaden it and say this is something that HR should be doing. It's also something every leader in your organization should be doing. This is not, uh, you know, the, the scope of the situation is large enough that we can't just rely on HR to do the whole employee care things. We all need to take an active role in that. So one of the uh, most important things that I see missed when we consult and run talking with other leaders is the absence of good, consistent communication. One of uh, the biggest sources of fear and anxiety for employees right now is an absence of information. And the way our brain works, if, you, if there's a vacuum there, if there's a hole there, I'm going to fill it. And usually I'm going to fill it with my worst fears, right? So if I'm left to my own devices, I'm going to fill it with worst-case scenario. So one of the things that HR and, and also managers need to be doing is communicating, communicating often and communicating clearly. 
about, you know, what the safety plan is. Uh, what what we're going to do if this situation were to happen, here's how we're going to handle it. Here's how we're managing helping employees to feel supported, uh, both personally and professionally. And don't just rely on email for that. Um, take some time to have in-person meetings if you can do social distancing or uh, web-based video so that people can see, um, see you, you can see them. And it's not just one-way communication. They can also ask questions and communicate back with you. The more you can communicate, the, the better people are going to feel supported. Uh, at that point, it's just a matter of making sure you have resources in place uh, for those that might need more help. Making sure that HR is staying out front with EAP resources, uh, you know, where people often have access to, for example, several mental health sessions free of charge. And one of the interesting side effects of the pandemic is it has made virtual visits more common. Um, and so I don't even need to leave my house or my, uh, you know, my, my living room in order to see a doctor and to get some help. And so just making sure that if those things are available, your employees know where to find them and how to use them. It sounds like communication or really anything you can do to over-communicate things uh, that will reduce anxiety can go a long way toward preventing people from perhaps going into crisis. Yeah. I mean, you can assume right now that, you know, probably between 30 and 50% of your workforce is experiencing some apprehension. And, you know, when we're asking people to go back into the office, again, maybe they've been isolating more or less and they have, they've been avoiding potential exposure. Um, so we want to make sure not only when I go back in the office that we have things physically in place to prevent that, but we're also communicating that and helping people not only to be more comfortable in a, in a realistic physical sense, but also to feel more comfortable from an emotional standpoint. Finally, let me ask you, doctor, if we don't do this response correctly this year, and we continue to open up and allow the situation to get worse to the point where we are forced as a country to start closing down again, and that's a real possibility, uh, and this crisis gets extended, does that set us back significantly on the mental health front? I mean, at what point do we start to say that we have a much bigger problem on our hands? That's a good question. And, you know, one of the things that I think people realize, but it sometimes gets lost in the mix, is um, economic devastation has a really strong correlation with mental health problems and also with suicide. Uh, we've seen it in, for example, in the 2008 uh, financial housing collapse. We saw increase in suicides directly, directly related to, um, to that economic devastation. And I think that's something we need to be aware of now. You know, it's important for us to get the economy back open, not only for people to have jobs and money, but the mental health benefits that go along with having something productive and meaningful to do each day. And so the whole, you know, opening and then closing down again and then reopening, it's not only disruptive to the economy, it's disruptive to people's uh, health and sense of well-being. Dr. Tyler Arvig, thank you very much for your time today and joining us on The Prevention Podcast. Thank you so much. Have a good day. The Prevention Podcast airs every other Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Available wherever you get your podcasts. You can sign up for our newsletter at livesafemobile.com and follow us on Twitter at livesafe.